In this episode, Dr. Kashi breaks down a few big ideas even further. One, how rational and distorted beliefs can exist at the same time. Two, how even with rational beliefs kicking around, the distorted ones can still lead to self-defeating behavior patterns. Three, the importance of telling the difference between subjective and objective descriptions of events. Fourth and last, that you can transform rigid, dogmatic, and distorted beliefs into flexible, constructive, and rational ones. Roll the intro! Hello! Hello! And welcome to... <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy, with today's co-host, 7up, because one of the best commercials on earth is when you make 7up yours, right? In any case, today's lesson is about the fat perfectionist, the frustrating paradox, the frustrating paradox, a little bit of recovery from the previous lesson's technical foo pause, okay? I'm going to hop right into this because we got a bit to cover, got a bit to cover, all right? Uh, TKN's SRO model, which we're going to review again, illustrates the role of cognitions, what you think in your, in your frustrations, specifically with your frustrations about food, eating, and your body, okay? Uh, so this is what the SRO model is, is covering, the stimulus response and the outcome. So here is what you'll be learning today. Whoops, tiny T is back in action, okay? So here's what you're learning. A quick review, ultra quick review of TKN's SRO model. A refocus on the outcome. O of TKN's SRO model and calling out, calling out on BS. Why smart people do dumb sabotaging stuff with their food, health, and their bodies. Okay, this is about the, the, the smart perfectionist, the smart fat perfectionist paradox. Okay, this beautiful triangulation, this beautiful triangulation. Okay, the first part of TKN's SRO model is S, is S. A st stands for stimulus, an event or an obstacle blocking you from what you want, causing some level of annoyance, hassle, frustration, etc. Okay, now that stimulus leads you to some sort of R response. This response is to avoid, shrink, or resolve the frustrating stimulus. Okay, now that response leads to some sort of outcome. Oh, okay. All right, the outcome. The outcome is a combination of a result, okay, which is described here as an objective, objective desired proximity. That's a, that's a fun way of saying that you can measure whether you're closer or further away from what you want, okay? It's objective measurable changes. These objective measurable changes can be positive or they can be negative, okay? You're either closer or further from where you want to be, right? Now, the result is combined with your outlook, your outlook, which are subjective thoughts and feelings, positive or negative on the result. So you have an outlook and a result. The result is objective desire proximity, what you can measure, are you closer or further from where you wanna be? And your outlook is subjective desire proximity. How do, you, how do you feel? What are your inferences? Okay, what are your subjective thoughts and feelings about the result, okay? Do you think and feel you're closer or further to what you want 
separate from are you actually closer or further from what you want okay now this means there are four different outcomes when you combine your when you combine the outcome when you combine the result and the outlook that is what your outcome is and since you can have a positive or negative result and a positive or negative outcome two times two is four therefore there are four different outcomes slotted into two different categories that are essentially constructive and destructive okay now a constructive outcome is well did i purposefully strive to gain useful experience such that i will overcome more and more challenging obstacles in the future okay you can get that from a positive result or a negative result or did i frustrate myself with the outcome did i frustrate myself with the outcome did i have a negative outlook on a positive result or a negative outlook on a negative result which in itself acts as its own frustrating stimulus so if you have a negative outlook on a result, that outcome now acts as its own frustrating stimulus. And now you have another response associated with that new frustrating stimulus resulting from your negative outcome. This is a cognitive grinder. It's what perpetuates the machine. It's what perpetuates the negative self-sabotaging machine. Okay, now, Let's take, let's find an example of each one of these outcomes. All right. If you have a positive result and a positive outlook. So if we have results here, we go to the positive side. Then we have the outlook here. We go to the positive side. This puts us on this part of the spectrum of outcomes. This is essentially gratefulness, gratitude, a positive outlook on a positive result. I lost two pounds. I'm closer to my goal. What did I do this week that influenced that result so that I can improve these skills to keep the results coming. This is essentially gratefulness, gratitude, understanding that you made progress, calling out on that progress and taking note of what you did so that you can keep that progress going. You gain, you gain useful utilitarian experience there. Now you can also have a positive result. So here's the positive. Okay. You can have a positive result and a negative outlook. So we have the result here, the outlook here. You have a positive result. You got closer to where you wanted to be, but there's a negative outlook on that result. That puts us in this quadrant in terms of different outcomes. This outcome is essentially demanding or perfectionistic, right? This is, well, I lost two pounds, which is closer to my goal, but it should have been five pounds. This means it's a failure. The plan is a failure. I am a failure. Well, then, since I'm a failure and the plan's a failure and everything's a failure, I really went off plan, thus proving what a failure I am. Okay? That's what happens with the sort of demanding perfectionistic outlook, even if the result is positive. Okay? Then you can also have a negative result. So here's the result. The results you are now further objectively, measuringly, from where you want to be, measuringly, that's a technical term, by the way, and a negative outlook on a negative result. This puts you in this outcome quadrant, which is essentially disasterifying. It's a disaster, magnification, catastrophes, all right? This is, a, I, gained, I gained two pounds. This is horrible. This is awful. I can't stand it. I'm a dumb, fat screw-up. I will always be a dumb fat screw up and I'll never reach my goal and that's terrible. And this is so unfair. I'm a damn turd burglar doomed to turd burgling for all eternally, screwing up all the time. So screw it. 
Mm. Okay. Did forget one. So here's the, here's the last one, arguably the most important outcome of them all, right? Is if you get a negative result, you, are, you have a response and you are objectively further from where you want to be. But you have a positive outlook on the negative result. That is a resilient style outcome. In this context, it's, well, I gained two pounds, right? So I'm further from my goal, but I understand that I got a little carried away at the social events last week, and then I got mad at myself about screwing up, and then I used that to give myself permission to go off plan. And even though this is frustrating, and I am mad at myself, this is useful because I can purposefully train myself to increase my tolerance to food pushers at social events, and most importantly, tolerance to, you know, to deal with beating myself up, finding other ways. And then I can account for that so that I know how to deal with this sort of situation next time when I do end up making a mistake so that I can avoid it, shrink it, or resolve it before it happens or when it happens, okay? That is a resilient, that is a resilient outcome. Even with a negative result, you can have a positive outlook so that you can have utilitarian experience you can apply for next time, also known as learning stuff. That's good, right? And then the final component here. So you learned about the stimulus, you learned about the response, and then the outcome. And if there is a destructive outcome, which you have a, a negative outlook on a result, well then that is a frustrating stimulus on its own and the cognitive grinder continues. So what is tying all this together? What is tying all this together? Well, your BS is what's tying all this together, okay? The frustrating stimuli in your life. Your BS determines what, that what those frustrating stimuli are, how frustrating they are, okay? Your response to avoid, shrink, and resolve them depends on your beliefs about the frustrating stimulus, you know? And how that response influences your perspective. It influences your outlook to determine a constructive or de destructive outcome. Boop, boop, boop. Your BS also dictates that, okay? At each step, you gut check your belief system. You gut check your belief system. Sometimes it's so fast it feels automatic. Sometimes you vacillate, it feels like an eternity. In either case, your BS is the determining factor and if you think it's a frustrating stimuli at all and how frustrating it is, right? How and why you respond to, avoid, shrink, resolve the frustrating stimuli, right? And whether, you, whether your outlook on the response was self-defeating or dest and destructive, or if it was self-motivating and constructive. And this determines if you, if you resolve the stimulus to find new and more challenging obstacles to overcome, or if you re-stimulate and re-frustrate yourself with the same stimulus all over again, okay? Your BS has a few factors, but this lesson you'll focus on two of them. You'll focus on two of them. There are rational beliefs. There are distorted beliefs, okay? Many people think they're the opposite sides of the same spectrum, okay? With distorted all the way on one side and rational all the way on the other side. And this does make perfect sense. It's also wrong. It's also wrong. Rational and distorted beliefs can and do exist at the same time. They're on different continuums. And this is how smart people can reason be reasonable about some things and completely off the wall about other stuff. Just totally wackadoodle, even if they're smart, right? You all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. If rational and distorted beliefs were on the same spectrum, well then 
all of a person's beliefs, all of them would be, would be representative of that single part of the spectrum that person was on. So if a person was, had distorted beliefs, then all of their beliefs would be the same level of distorted all the time. But that is false. Some beliefs are more distorted than others. Some beliefs are more rational than others. That is because they are on different continuums, okay? You can have rational and distorted beliefs about the same thing at the same time. And that's part of what causes a lot of this conflict, okay? Indeed, everyone is apparently on the spectrum. <laughs> but there are two spectrums at once, the rational spectrum and the distorted spectrum. It is rational to understand and integrate that I want to be fitter, fit into the clothes I want to wear, feel better in my skin. This is a rational and constructive belief. This is reasonable. It's flexible, it has measurables, and it's grounded in reality. But here's where things get spicy. Here's where things get spicy in terms of that BS. Humans will take a rational and flexible belief and tack on rigid and dogmatic demands and commands, thus taking a rational and constructive belief and turning it into a rigid and impulsive belief. The rigid and impulsive belief is the underlying cause of practically all the neuroses surrounding food eating in your body. For instance, I want to be fitter, wear the clothes I want to wear, feel better in my skin. This is a reasonable, flexible, rational belief, okay? So here's the connection. I want to be fitter, wear clothes I want to wear, feel better in my skin, therefore I must eat impeccably. I have to exercise in this exact way and I need to follow my plan perfectly because I should get the result that I determine is an exceptional result. Oh, okay. So the rational side is rational and flexible, and then there is a demanding and commanding, rigid and distorted addition. <laughs> I wanna be fitter, wear clothes I wanna wear, I wanna feel better in my skin, therefore I must eat impeccably. I have to exercise in this exact way, and I need to follow my plan perfectly, because I should get the result that I determine is an exceptional result. Or else. Or else. Okay. Now, when a person turns a reasonable preference into a, a preposterous, perfectionistic, black and white commandment, this is where things get messy. Why? Because if you demand that you act in a certain way all the time at all times, get the results you demand you get and command yourself to operate within those guidelines, are those demands of yourself distorted? Maybe. Are they reasonable? No. Are they even logical? No. No. Does this set you up to fail? Does this set you up to self-sabotage by assuming? Assuming you can make good on acting perfect at all times? Or else, right? Ah, ah. Heck, even if you do act perfect at all times, if you do hold up your end of the bargain and act perfect at all times, it will still fail. You know why? Because of probability. <laughs> Even if you act perfect at all things all the time, good luck, there is still a chance the universe will bend you over. Therefore, for things to go perfectly, three things must happen. You must act perfectly at all times. Everyone else must also act perfectly at all times, and the universe must be in perfect conditions at all times. So you see, even if you are the one acting perfectly at all times, these other two factors 
These other two factors, they're heavily dependent on probability, even if you put yourself above probability into a godlike status, okay? So you see, even if you hold up your end of the bargain, lots of luck. Assuming anything else is quite, well, distorted. <laughs> so by demanding and commanding yourself to act perfectly, be treated perfectly, and get a perfect result, you're dooming yourself to be miserable, which you guessed it. What happens if you doom yourself to be miserable? Then that is a frustrating stimulus, which you will attempt to do something about. You'll do stuff to shrink it. You'll do stuff to avoid it. You'll do stuff to resolve it. And chances are, with rigid and distorted BS, with a rigid and distorted belief system, the stuff that you'll do is likely to cause more problems than it solves. Mm. These rigid, commanding, and distorted beliefs of yourself, they're the backbone of the eternal frustration and misery. And therefore, the perpetual motion device that keeps the self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors on deck at practically all times. So what you believe influences what you think. What you think influences how you feel. How you feel influences what you do. What you do influences the outcome and the value of that outcome, how useful it is, depends on what you believe. <laughs> TKN's SRO model serves to modify your rigid, distorted, and self-defeating beliefs, helping you to transform them into flexible, rational, and self-motivating beliefs instead. Hmm? So here's what you've learned. Here's what you've learned. All right? Got an ultra-quick review of TKN's SRO model. You've got to refocus. You've got to refocus on the outcome, TKN's SRO model. And Got a little bit of taste of calling, calling it out on the, calling out the BS, calling out the BS. Why smart people, especially smart perfectionists, do dumb self-sabotaging stuff with their food, eating, and their bodies, right? There are some things frustrated perfectionists can't solve. For everything else, there's TKN. Thank you for learning. Stay rational. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you. And see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out. <laughs>